You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Eddie, we're doing things a little differently, uh, this podcast. Sure are, Tom. Where uh, Obviously, we have our usual Monday, Tuesday yarn where we talk a lot of shit. Yeah, we dribble. We dribble hard, but we're also looking to do interviews. That's right. Catch up with some interesting people, people from the world of sport, people into sport. And it's just it's not your, your regulation interview either. We try to tap into things that, that you might not have known about a particular sports yes. star or, or athlete. Exactly. And, and get into what makes them tick. Yeah. The person they are exactly. instead, of, instead of the media. Well, and ask him about training and how the team's going yes. or, you know, this and that. So, look, there'll be some people you do know, some people you don't know. But this week, our very first one is a good friend of ours, Ben Seymour. He's a former professional rugby union player. He's played for Super Rugby. He's played in uh, New Zealand. He's played across Europe. He's a good bloke. He's then now transitioned He's post-career. Is it now a health advocate? He's got a flourishing business. That's, he's jacked up. You're absolutely right. He's in phenomenal nick. Phenomenal nick. But he's also a very, very interesting bloke. So we sat down, Tom, um, to sort of get an understanding of, of his career and what he's up to now. Well, because I think as well, there's obviously many conversations with established sports stars and people whose success was defined through their sporting career. But I'd almost say that Benny's had more success post-career. He's also had to navigate a transition uh, from professional sport into, uh, you know, what's he going to do after professional sport? And I found that to be the most interesting thing, to be honest. Fascinating. Fascinating with Benny Seymour. So please enjoy. Here it is. How are you, Benny? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Very well, mate. Thanks, thanks for, for coming me. in. Thanks yeah, for thank me. you for coming in on a uh, on a Wednesday night, a rainy Wednesday. That's right. Much yeah. appreciated. Uh, thank you. We'll uh, get you a Hello Sport uh, bib as a, as a <laughs> way to say thanks. a memento, Tom? Well, I think he deserves a, a memento for, for making the effort for us. Yeah, I think it's so. a it's very it's nice it's touch. It's the least we could do. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> we just wanted to start off, obviously, you've had sort of three different points in your career, I guess you could say. You had your... Professional footy career, the end of that happening in that sort of transitional period, and then now you're a what, what would you what would you say now you're a health instructor trainer I don't know the correct terminology what would you say you are now <laughs> I, I don't I don't know the uh, correct terminology I guess I'm just a health advocate and um, out there to help educate and empower people through fitness and and health as well I guess okay sweet. Health advocate, then we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah I like, I like a that. jacked health advocate, <laughs> yeah. serious health advocate, phenomenal Nick, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, the footy you were saying to us just before we we started recording that you've been playing, you were playing footy since you were four years old. Yeah, through yeah. school, you were lucky enough to grace the field with me at some points. Yeah. Uh, but how was the? What was it? Were you getting scouted? Because uh, obviously you played professionally. Were you getting scouted at school? Um, Did people sort of come and chat to you, or was it after school when it all started to kick off? It probably all kicked off after school. I think I I was pretty detrimental to myself in terms of finding the gym in year twelve, and um, I got pretty big and um, and a bit overweight as well, and it was uh, detrimental to my speed and stuff like that when I was playing. So I probably didn't play my best in year twelve. Year ten and eleven were probably my better years at school, but then yeah, once I left school, um, everyone sort of gets picked up in that schoolboys. Um, kind of thing, and then that filters through to picking up a, a super academy contract, I guess. And I didn't get any of those, um, which looking back was probably the best thing that could happen to me because it made me work harder. Um, and yeah, so after school, I went and played club footy here in Sydney. Um, I was lucky enough to be picked up at Manly under Phil Blake, um, who's probably one of the, the nicest guys I've ever met and nice, nicest coaches. Um, 
and then yeah, once I was there, that's when I first got my first uh, opportunity at Super Rugby with the Western Force. So, was is that was that a byproduct of you playing well at at Manly? How many years were at Manly for? Uh, two years, two years at Manly. Yeah, we, we were a great side. We had really, really good team. Uh, we made the finals both years, I think, and we just uh, missed out on the in the semis there. But yeah, being involved in a good team and under a good coach like that obviously helps. And, and you said before uh, it's the it was the best thing that could happen to you because it made you work harder. Do you think that like a lot of schoolboys that you went to school with, or people in your twelve, you know, gifted at gifted footy players like yourself? Do a lot of them fall off because they just sort of think that it's going to get handed to them almost? I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hard to speak for all of them, I guess. But yeah, there was a few that you know cracked it straight after school and were doing really well and that aren't there at the moment. And I had mates you know, back in New Zealand when I played there as well that were gifted all the way through and that didn't, never really cracked it as well. So. Kirtley Beal's almost one of the only ones that I remember being at school being like this shit hot guy yeah. well, who's then really gone on to, to sort of like live up to that high. Hey, but he was, he's like a, he's like a generational well, he's prodigy. A pro- you know, prodigious yeah, talent. Yeah, prodigious talent. You know, yes. It's unreal. Um, so uh, who was the first academy you got signed with in uh, the Super Rugby? Waratahs. Waratahs. How long were you there for? What, sort of, what was the go? How does that happen? Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be picked up sort of by their academy, um, which was... From memory, probably three to four trainings a week, you'd do some weights and then go on the field and do some skills, um, which was sort of as the first level entry. And then I was lucky enough to be in the second sort of academy, which you trained full-time with the squad. Um, I got into playing the trial games and everything like that, but I never yeah, got the opportunity to play Super Rugby there. That must have been quite motivational, I imagine, going from like just that getting that sniff. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of quite a, a charge. Yeah, yeah. Guys like Kurtley were there. Beric Barnes was there. Um, they're sort of the people that I learned learned a lot of. Uh, Luke Burgess was one of my halves. Um, Joshy Holmes and guys like that. Um, just the experience around you, Phil War. You know, you, I could go on and on. Phil War, shit, was that those yeah, days? It was a long time ago. Far out. <laughs> That's crazy. And are they happy to help people like that? You know, yeah, like absolutely. People like Beric Barnes, who's sort of, you know, at the time was probably what, the top he of the was, heap. He, well, he was top of the heap, but also the position that you probably were gunning for, yeah. really, in a perfect yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it's not like there's not any of that competition? No, there. no, not with him at all. Not with him at all. He was seriously the most down to earth person that you'd ever meet, um, and he still is. So, yeah, he's a rock star, but you wouldn't know it. A lot of training that you're doing together, it's always good to see your competition um, going well, and healthy competition um, also helps. Mm. Yeah, it would help. For sure. Just in terms of pushing yourself. Like, I yeah. imagine, like, particularly, you know, in the gym, if he's lifting a little bit more than you or going a bit harder, like, it just it'd spur you on. Yeah, incredibly. absolutely. Where I am now, there's uh, girls that lift heavier than some of the boys, so that definitely spurs you I on. Can, I can absolutely vouch for that. <laughs> yeah. I can absolutely 100% vouch for that. We'll get to that later, but I've been, I haven't said it, but I've been acutely aware as to where I sit in the pecking yeah, We call it chicked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've been chicked. I've been chicked. Yeah, hundred percent. You're lying. A lot of people would be lying if they said they had. Oh, mate, I'm, I'd, I'd be chicked to. in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah I, I would be to. definitely chicked. Um, so when did the when did the when was the sort of the in a, the roadblock with the Waratahs where it was like, all right, well, I'm not getting any further here, or did the force approach you? What was the? Uh, yeah, the force approached me um, when I was still at Manly. That's and tight. I was playing sort of at Manly and, and training with the Tars under contract, but my contract had finished at this time, and yeah, I was in negotiations with the force and lucky enough to uh, sign a contract and yeah, head over there, which I knew absolutely nothing about. I didn't know how big Australia was. I got on the plane, <laughs> and uh, the captain's like, we've got a flight time of five hours, and I just looked at my mate, and I was like, I can go home to New Zealand and back 
in that five <laughs> yeah. hours. This is crazy. So um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, that was uh, definitely an eye opener to me, and I've done that throughout my whole rugby career, moving countries and everything. I have no idea where I'm going, but um, uh, I guess it's all part of the fun. So that was a that was a full time like that was a full time contract. That wasn't an academy yeah. contract. No, that was over there. Yeah, How long were you signed for? Uh, I had a one plus one, which was in their favour, and I didn't, obviously didn't play well enough. Right. So you're only there for one year, were you? Yeah, I was there for one year, and um, I, lucky enough, I think I got uh, 14 caps, I think it was. Um, we had a guy get sacked through um, through stealing stealing stuff from the boys out of their lockers, which was pretty heavy, but obviously for me, that was a bonus. <laughs> he, he stole from me, I stole his jersey. But, um, <laughs> but um, And then another guy, Chucky Stannard, who's still running around, he must be 55 or something now, but... Um, he uh, injured his ankle, unfortunately, and then that gave me my start. Which, um, yeah, shit. So how how does that feel? As you said before, you played footy since you were four years old. That's like the fucking dream. That's exactly you know this is everything that you've wanted. Uh, how did that feel when you were like they were like yeah you're playing this week? Yeah, it was um pretty crazy. Oh goosebumps thinking about it now. Um, it was our second round. I remember it pretty vividly. We we're at um. At Suncorp, actually, oh, and um, what a place to date! So. Oh my god! <laughs> Back in the days where we had big crowds and everything like that, and um, yeah, I just remember running on. We had Sharpie there and Pocock and all the likes, and and once I got out there, sort of feeling just just went away, and I just knew what I was up to, and just playing. And when you got guys around you like that, um, obviously you're leading them around, playing first five and things. But a team like that, they sort of everyone knows what they're doing, and it was yes, yeah, an unbelievable feeling. And do you get, like, the week, when did you find out you were playing? That week? I was on the bench, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I found out I was in the team the week before. I didn't get on, and then uh, I found I was in the team that's, again. That's horse shit. I hate <laughs> that. When you see, like, a player and it's like, you've picked me on the bench here, and I'm just sitting out the entire fucking yeah. game. Like, <laughs> you're thinking they're going, fuck, I'm going to debut for the, the force. Yeah, I'm gonna, and then, yeah, the game's over. You're like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, how many parents went all the way down to Canberra as well? <laughs> oh, places, oh. <laughs> and so do you, is there, like, a presentation after the match when you get your first cap? Yeah. So they've just sort of, they just, yeah, you just put, put the cap back in the bag. Save it for next. Week <laughs> <laughs> and June, like, are you during that week? Do, do players, you know, people you mentioned, Pocock and the like, do they come up to you and sort of help, you know, hold? Well, not just show you the ropes through that process, or do you sort of go up to them and maybe yeah, ask them for some advice? Or is yeah, it just sort of, of business as usual? Yeah, it's sort of business as usual. You've been with them for probably at that point four to five months of um, preseason and everything, so mm. we all know each other pretty well and. Um, yeah, I mean, they would always come up and have words to me, Matty Hodgson and things like that. Like, the the calibre of players there was unbelievable at that time. And um, so, yeah, I felt pretty comfortable. It was mm. good. I think we lost, but... <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you think you played, not just in that game, obviously, but just, like, over your time there? Were you pretty happy with how you played? How was, well, how was getting let go? How was that? Did you feel uh, a little bit aggrieved? Were you like, what the fuck? Or was it, yeah, did you kind of see it coming? Uh, we didn't have a great year... Um, our coach, Rich Graham, who was there at the time, got moved on halfway through the year and uh, that was all a bit of a shambles. And he he did everything at the club, you know, recruitment, retention, coaching, stats, like everything, you know. So, um, Is that unusual? Yeah, it is. It, it, it was at the time and um, obviously it backfired at the time for them. The next year, they someone else had charge, was in charge of retention and recruitment and stuff and signed up all these players and... Half of them didn't even make it over there. They signed a contract and got Scott paid out not to come. So, 
Oh, it was, uh, so it's a bit of a disaster. Absolute, absolute disaster. Yeah. A shit show, we would yeah. say. Well, it sounds like a you cut and dry bed show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds just like The Force in general. The Force just seemed to have been a bit of a basket case the whole but the whole time they were in the competition. Well, yeah. Well, f- financially, didn't perform terribly well. Like, And you say before, they had some cattle. Yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't like yeah, they didn't have team. the cattle, you know? Yeah. So last year they, they did all right, but yeah, unfortunately they're uh, no longer. Yeah. Do you feel, did you feel a bit of a soft spot when, when they got the chop? Like, were you a bit, of, a bit upset or was it sort of just, you know? Yeah, I guess I felt bad for the players that were there, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and the staff and stuff that tried so hard. And, and um, rugby sort of really grew over there. And um, that's probably the hardest thing. All the kids that are over there don't have a don't have a real shot of playing for their for their state. How yeah. did you How did you find it over there? Actually, just in terms of like you're saying, it was, it was quite well embraced, was it? Rugby in Western Australia to an extent, to an extent, yeah. Like we had a great fan base, really yeah. great fan base, Sea of Blue and stuff like that, and um, they were great. But you know, AFL is still massive over there. You you walk around and. No one knows who you are, which is you know, fabulous. And yeah. the AFL stars get stopped to do everything. And um, yeah, so that was good. Positive, I guess. Do you know anything like, you know, would in your opinion, do you think it was a mistake to get rid of the force over the Rebels? Like, do you know much about rugby down in Melbourne or not? not no, nah, to be honest, like since I've stopped, I really, I don't really have the time to look into it as much. I love watching a good old Kiwi derby. Mm. Um, they're sort of the better ones. But um, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get too involved in it anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. How was being told you weren't wanted there anymore? I mean, I assume it was fucked, but I mean, like, how'd you feel? Yeah. How'd you pretty, react? I was pretty gutted. I'd sort of moved everything over there and uh. um, a few of my mates were staying on and stuff. But I mean, when one door closed, another one opens. I was lucky enough after that, yeah. So what happened after that? Where'd you go? Um, I came back to Sydney. Um, I jumped hot. Uh, they call me the club slut. I jumped jumped clubs again. <laughs> I went to Eastwood. I uh, played a few games over there. And then um, lucky enough, I, well, it was a funny story. I was actually at the airport on the way to Hawaii to play in a charity charity game or tournament over there. And um, my agent at the time was like, mate, don't go. I suggest you don't go. You know, I've got a contract over here in France coming up. And I was like, look, mate. I'm going to Hawaii. I booked my accommodation and everything. I just wanted to get there. It would have given me that three-day bridge of sort of coming back and whatever. And I checked my bag through, and at the airport, I felt my phone vibrate, and it was my manager. And um, he's like, mate, you don't get, don't board this plane. You're going to France tomorrow. And this was about 9 o'clock at night. My dad had just got home from dropping me off, and he had to come back, pick me up. I took all my budgie smugglers out of my suitcase and just put all my jackets in and headed to France. Oh, shit. Yeah. Jesus. So, it's pretty cool, though, as much as a Hawaiian trip would uh, sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool, that whirlwind, last-minute nature of professional sport, where it can be like one minute, you're just like, you're on a fucking plane over to France. Yeah, exactly. Um, what club were you playing for? Argen. Argen. Which was, uh, in the top 14 there over in France, yeah, which was unreal experience. Where is Argen? Argen's sort of uh, in the middle near Toulouse. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. To loose over there, yeah. And it's it's a pretty it's a pretty would you say a good stand at the top fourteen? Yeah. Yeah. My um I'll never forget my first game I was playing against Talon, Johnny Wilkinson and Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, the rest Stop. of those guys. So he was your opposite number. The great. Yeah, well I came off the bench that day. I'd just arrived on a Thursday or Friday. I think we we're playing Saturday night and uh You're kidding. I came off the bench at, at fifteen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was snowing and um, Oh my god. And yeah, I came on about 30 minutes to go or something and they were attacking their own line only 30 metres out and they had this play lined up and, and then the ref said sub, so I came on and then he just hoisted this high bomb, changed the whole call and just hoisted this high bomb. It went out of the stadium and uh, yeah, I might have had a 
pooping me undies or something. <laughs> but um, uh, luckily, I caught that ball. Um, and yeah, I was like, I marked it, which was which was good because um, the French are pretty ruthless um, looking on onlookers, you know, in the in the crowd. And if I dropped that, they probably would have ridden me off straight away. So, oh, really? So you're at home? Yeah, home. Oh game. yeah, yeah, so yeah. This, this new Aussie kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Throwing him on in the snow. <laughs> Can't oh even catch. <laughs> so basically, like four day four days previous, you had no idea you were going to be be playing. French rugby. Yeah, I didn't even know the town. I didn't know anything. I was just on a plane, and that was a journey in itself, landing in Paris. And I mean, at Scots, we studied French, and I did not listen at all. <laughs> <laughs> all I could think about was going to the gym or playing rugby, and uh, I didn't think I'd ever use French in my life. And four years later, or whatever it was, I was over there, and Bonjour was all about all I knew. <laughs> and that wasn't where's the closest train station. I'd get a train from Paris to Argenne. It was about four, four trains later with two suitcases and pretty much my life on my back. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was, I guess it's all in the experience. It was unreal. Fuck yeah. It is, like that, it, yeah, I imagine crazy. it is quite a crazy experience. Yeah. And so they don't send a car to pick you up? You're just like, all right, just get off the airport, well, catch a train. I, I, the best thing I probably should have done is flown to Bordeaux um, and then driven an hour, which is a little bit closer to Argenne. But yeah, so Paris is a fair way away. But um, I got picked up by Philippe Salah which um, I'll never forget this. I had no idea who the guy was, and he's the greatest center that's ever played for France. And like, just the seas absolutely parted when we walked through town. This guy had my luggage, oh, and yeah. um, he spoke good English, which was uh, great for me. But, yeah, everyone just moved, and it was just ridiculous. I had no idea who this guy was. You're kidding. That's so surreal. That must have been just the most surreal experience. Yeah, man, I, just, I had no idea what was going on at the time, and... Do you sort of look like back that. on it now as, as, as almost more surreal looking back yeah, on it now? Yeah, it's definitely. like, oh, fuck, what, what was even happening in my yeah, life yeah. back at that stage? I guess it was kind of cool not getting caught up in the hype of it, of what was going on and even the players that I played with there and, and against and stuff and just lived in the moment. Yeah. Cool. How long were you at the club for? I, I came over as like a medical joker, so that's why it happened so quickly. Um, but there were only a couple of rounds in, so I spent the rest of that year over there with them, or the rest of the season, yeah. Sweet. That's still, that's a, I mean, it's not a short stint, I guess, because it's like, no, well, you're in there as a... You're playing every they, week. They've, yeah. got quite, like they've got quite funny seasons, though, don't they? Don't they? They run for quite a while, and they yeah. take quite a long time off in between, like, the... Six Nations Six and stuff stations. like that, and the oh, Internationals, and, that, and then they the, have a couple they weeks got the Heineken Cup as yeah, well. Yeah, you're playing in that, Cup, and the European yeah. Cup, so there's a fair bit of travel involved, and you're bussing all over France, which is just a nightmare, but <laughs> I wasn't used to that, yeah. No. Oh, you, they bus. Oh, yeah. We're doing like 12-hour bus rides day before oh, a game and stuff fuck. like that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I sweat on a bus to work. How did, yeah. your, how did your French go? Did you develop over a year? Or? Yeah, 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 it did. We, um, we had to take lessons twice a week. Um, and really? If you did, yeah, if you didn't, didn't attend, you weren't allowed to play. So that was probably a good thing out of it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Do still, you think you got it now? Could you still talk? No, nah, well... After 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 I left France, I went to Italy, so I transferred to Italian. But um, <laughs> I guess uh, when you're sort of over there in a foreign country and opposite time zones to home, you 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 can't socialise outside of rugby. That's the hardest thing, and everything you're doing is just rugby, rugby. You're hanging with the foreigners, and obviously the people who speak a bit of English in your team, which there was a fair few Frenchies who did, which was great. But the best thing, if you walked around town and someone said hello to you, no matter whether there was a drop dead gorgeous French girl or whoever it was, you'd just be like, "Oh, please talk to me in English." You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just talk to me about something. <laughs> so uh, that was yeah. But learning French was also a great experience for sure. Hi, I'm Tom Goodcamp from Stacks Goodcamp. I truly hope you'll never need to call me. However, the sad fact is that accidents happen, people get injured. Should this happen to you, you'll need us on your side. 
From the moment you call, we'll be there for you to take away all your fears and concerns and to work tirelessly and compassionately to get you the compensation you deserve. So if you've been injured at work or on the road, call me on 1800 25 1800 and get Stacks Good Camp on your side. And so following the stint with Arjan, did you come back to Australia or did you go straight to Italy? Was that next? No, I, um, well, I had some stuff happened with my family back in New Zealand, my grandma on my dad's side, and um, they always supported me through through leaving school and um, trying to watch me play rugby and stuff, and they weren't lucky enough to have Sky TV or Foxtel in Australia here, so they never really watched any of my rugby, and um, after that hit, uh, happened, it hit me pretty hard, and um, it was just out of the blue, I happened to get a contract over in New Zealand and Northland in the uh, ITM Cup, I think it was then, or yeah. Mitre 10 Cup, yeah. And um, I thought, look, I've got to go back. And at least we're in the same time zone. They're in Palmerston North. And um, they'll at least be able to watch me play play mm. a game of footy. And um, it was just crazy. I ended up playing in their hometown versus their home team. And um, to get all my family and friends and stuff from back over there to come and watch me play was uh, a dream come true. That's awesome. But, well, yeah, my time in New Zealand was unreal. That was great, playing with Rennie Ranger and stuff. He was my captain. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, mate, he was a crack up. Is that, crack is up. that, like... In all the countries you've played in the world, rugby is that is New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's just number like, one. Just the most emotion. What's well, closer to home for you? Obviously, yeah, yeah. You've been a Kiwi, but um, you sort of talk us through a little bit what you know, like a a big match is like over there. You know what I mean? Uh, how much it means to everyone? Yeah, it's crazy the build up and and things like that. Like they're obviously pretty passionate about their rugby. They understand rugby. Uh, I'd say they'd understand it a bit better than the French. The French are probably the most passionate supporters or you know, if you're on the wrong team bus, they're hitting your bus and they're throwing stuff at your bus. And that's like an experience in itself. It was pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, playing in New Zealand is just the caliber of players there as well. Mm. You know, you're playing in an ITM Cup. There's no All Blacks sort of around because they're off doing their duties. But there's still just the caliber of players ridiculous. Mm. So how much longer did your career go on for after New Zealand? You said you went yeah, back to Yeah, from France. there I went back to France for about six months. And then I signed a two-year deal in Italy. Played for the two? Um a uh, year and a half. I um, left over a pay dispute, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, so if you're listening, you can pay me back. But <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, they still owe me money. Which Fuck. Is, um, so how's that go then? I mean, we, I'm not, you know, we don't need to get into specifics of financials. Uh, uh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, like, so So you're over there, you played a couple of years. I'm assuming you enjoyed it. Yeah, you man, it was great. We played, my first year, um, we played in three different competitions, and um, we won all three of those. So we won, I think it was a half a million or a million euro bonus for making it into the European Cup or something like that and winning all these three comps. Um, so within our contracts were bonuses, obviously, and it was supposed to be paid within 30 days, etc. and yeah, it never turned up. So I went back for my second season, and I sort of got probably a quarter of the way through that season, and I just kept asking, you know, where's my money from last year? Where's my money from last year? Blah, 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 and it just never came. And I sort of stood up for all the boys and said, it's not good enough that we're still playing for you, winning games and stuff. We turn up on at training on time, but you guys can't fulfill your side of the contract. Um, so I threw my keys at the manager and left. And um, it was pretty intense at the time. Like, I literally threw my keys at him and went to the airport. And, um, you know, the boys didn't know this at the time, so I messaged them all and said, no, this is what's happened. Hopefully things change for you guys. Um, I think it got a little bit better, but, yeah, other than that, that was sort of the end. I was still had a six-month contract and... Um, the IRB and things like that didn't really fight for me. So, really, yeah. so that was your final footy. That, that was, was yeah, that was it. Did you know at the time that that was going to be it for you for footy? Like, nah, was, 
like I was over there and I was stuck in sort of a bit of a dark place and I was calling home and talking to my dad a lot about the stuff and I just felt like I was giving everything to this team and all the boys were as well, you know, putting everything into this team, training for two hours a day, maybe sometimes double sessions at four hours a day, but, you know, they weren't holding up their end of the bargaining of the contract, sorry. And, um, yeah, so I just, dad said, come home, Mm. really. He just said, come home. And I didn't know that that was going to be the end, but I knew something would just sort itself out. And, yeah, when I came back, I sort of dabbled a little bit um, at another club called Ranwick and, uh, <laughs> and uh, with a good mate, Nick Ryan. And yeah, I dabbled over there and I just thought, look, I need a change in my life and, and have a bit of time away from that. And that's when I sort of took up fitness. So it started out almost as like, uh, just get my mind off rugby and this yeah. really bad experience that you've, you know, sort of endured for what, six months? Yeah. Well, I guess I always loved fitness and being a 10, my aim was sort of to be the fittest in the team and have to make decisions under pressure while fatigued. Mm. and things like that so uh, i love love training and being fit and everything but then um yeah it just opened my eyes to so much more and and obviously not having niggling injuries all the time you come to a monday you can do a full session without having you know a sore shoulder or i'd never had sore shoulders i couldn't tackle but <laughs> sore knees or you know something like that um yeah it was awesome so i was PTing, and then um i'm lucky enough to be working at bfit which is a group training environment down in uh double bay in sydney here Oh yeah, is that where you that's go? Where I, that's where I, I go and try and. You, that's where you go and get chicked. Yeah, yeah, that's where I go and get chicked. And yeah, he comes and lift some tin. Yeah, I come and lift, move a little bit of tin around and yeah. try and keep myself in relatively good. Nick. You look fantastic. Ed. Oh, thank you. You look thank fantastic. You. And are you training? Are you training? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Puts paces. me through the paces for sure. <laughs> Fuck. Keeps me honest. Well, well yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Keeps me honest. All right. So now you're you've now got twenty seven thousand followers on Instagram, which is pretty legit. Did you de- are they have they been developed since you like during your rugby career and through yeah. to today or do they start coming on board post rugby? Post rugby, I think off top of my memory, I think I was about three and a half thousand or something like that when I was sort of playing. I think I have yeah, I have no idea. Um, it's sort of just yeah, built up over over a year and a half, two years. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty quick to get up that much. Yeah, I guess I've done. Yes, done very well. Done I was well. having a, I was having a little flick around. You got some bloody abs on you, dude. You got, <laughs> there's some nice, there's some nice shirtless photos on there, Eddie, and I'm and I'm assuming there's some thirsty birds sliding into your DMs. Would I be correct? Uh I wish I could say yes. There's probably more blokes, to be honest, which is a bit scary. <laughs> oh shit! So of course, so yeah. you're getting some thirsty blokes in there. Yeah. Dick pics? Yeah, a few blurry photos. <laughs> that say, images blurred. Click here, and you get a rude shock. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, but it actually blurs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so can can Instagram sort of tell it's a dick pic? I think it, I don't know if it happens for everyone that you don't follow. Um, sort of like you know, you get a request that this person wants to message you, and um, uh, yeah, it's a bit blurry. I've had videos. Uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus! That's but like spicy. yeah. Imagine what these people with hundreds of thousands of followers get, you know? Millions. Like, yeah, millions of yeah, followers. Like, it'd true. just be crazy. You wouldn't, be... you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go through them, no. I don't think. You wouldn't or bother. You, you might do it on like a, when you're pissed one night for a laugh. Yeah, just yeah. go, let's just pick one randomly. Yeah, oh, let's just go through God. a few dick yeah, pics. Yeah, yeah. Let's go diving for dick pics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A> dick dive. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus And Christ. so... Uh, is that something that you like? Active, you obviously actively look to leverage, you know, your Instagram account with your health advocacy. Um, do you get approached by companies looking for you to sort of partner with them, or is that something you need to go and? Yeah, no, I do. I never set out to um, to sort of do this, and I felt 
it sort of just, I don't know, it just came up. Companies started messaging me and things like that. And, um, yeah, I just set out to post what I'm up to, whether it's training or if I'm at the beach or traveling or whatever it is, I just post it. I got my little cousins on there and my family back home. And it's a great way. I think that's what most people use it for really to, yeah. um, just share what's happening. And then, yeah, over the last couple of years, it's sort of become monetized and, you know, you can make some good money out of it. Um, on, depending on the amount of followers you've got, I guess, and exposure and things like that. Yeah. How so. much have you had to get your head around the business side of things in terms of like, do you, have you spoken to other people that have got followers and just, and sort of like been like, so how the fuck do you make sure you're not getting ripped off by certain brands or just how you can like get the most out of a brand coming to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's obviously the hardest thing is knowing your worth and, and things like that. Obviously you start off doing things for free and, yeah. and you should be charging for it because it's all your time. And uh, I mean, a lot of time does go into it because if you just posted whatever you want, you probably wouldn't go as well. Um, mm. So yeah, a lot of time and effort goes into it, I guess, and working out what you're worth and you only just do that through experience, yeah. I guess. Does time and effort go into things you're posting just for yourself now as well? Like you're sort of, because I mean, I would, as I said, having a look, like there are some, you've got people filming you sometimes or you've yeah. got, you know, photos where you're just looking fantastic. I'm sorry <laughs> to bring it up again. It's but, editing. You know, like, <laughs> so how much of those things is there like a, do you go, all right, I've got to go get some shots of me doing some shit today. So we're going to go and do that. Or yeah. is it sort of, it's not just sort of like off the cuff. Yeah. There's obviously real time stuff happening. And then um, I've got a few mates that are really good photographers and, um, yeah, my little girlfriend's a Insta wife and I'm an Insta husband, so we take photos of each other. And sometimes the best way to go about it is just go and get all your all your stuff that you need to shoot maybe for a week or two weeks that you've got coming up and, and just go out one day and just shoot it in a couple of hours and, and get it out of the way, I guess, because um, there's nothing worse than sitting there at 7.30 at night and you've got to post something and you've got nothing there. Yeah, right. We were just talking this before. Did you play with the honey badger? Yeah. Um, are you, yeah. What do you think of him on The Bachelor? Like well, yeah, firstly, before we, before, before we jump into that, like we, he was obviously a he's obviously a bit of a larrikin. Yeah, uh, is he? All, me and Eddie were trying to dis, we were discussing this the other night on our fucking uh, Hello Sport podcast, just about is he just always throwing out these fucking lines? Yeah, Does he have a downtime? You get with him? He's no, just man. completely <laughs> he's just unreal. Yeah, I haven't caught up with him in a while, and I was surprised to see him on there last time I saw him. He had a missus, so obviously um, that obviously didn't go too well. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think mate, he'll be unreal on there. You were saying just before we came on, you did a, a marathon recently. Was that was that the first marathon you've run? Yeah, I hadn't run over twenty one k's before that, so it was a bit of an eye opener, especially being off road. So off road, so I'm I'm thinking hilly, um, yeah. uneven surfaces, jumping over logs and Lo shit. logs and you know crossings, rivers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of and... De really demanding terrain. <laughs> That's what I've got in mind. Yeah. Probably not your cushy, your cushy bitumen <laughs> type. No, no, exactly, no, nothing like your cushy bitumen <laughs> no, at all. No, it was, um, yeah, I had no idea what I was in for, and um, I got a pretty rude shock pretty quickly. But there was hills in it you couldn't physically run up it, yeah. so you're walking up those, and um, yeah. It was awesome. Did what, you run it with anyone else? Yeah, or like, was, did you run alongside other people? Yeah, like you're talking to people like you've known them for years that you've just met two seconds ago, but just to try and get your mind off things. But um, yeah, every now and then you'd run with someone. I remember running with this one guy and um, we, were going, we were going at a good pace and I wanted to try and hit four hours. And um, Jesus Christ. And uh, I knew I was, no, if I did that, it was, it was pretty good. But um, 
I was running along and I was like, oh man, first time, how about you? And he said, oh no, I did this last year and I couldn't make it past the um, like 30k mark. I just cramped up and I just started slowing down a bit. I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not running with you, mate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, you know, you just, there's mountain bikers on. It's a massive event. There's probably six or seven events at the same time. So mountain bikers and all that kind of stuff. So You'd run past bikers and then they'd run past or ride past you and everything. So yeah. There's awesome atmosphere and amazing scenery. Yes. Where were where was the marathon? Uh down at it's called the Mototapu. So we started in uh next to Lake Wanaka. Um mm. uh, which is driving about an hour and a half out of Queenstown. So I was staying at a family friend's house just out of Queenstown there and yeah, so we drove over and then uh pretty much just ran back from there Jeez. through the mountains as the crow flies. <laughs> We did, and they got to sort of go around all the roads. I don't know. I, I did, what what time did you get? Uh four hours and forty minutes. Ah, uh, so you got cl- mate, you got you got close enough. Yeah, man. It was, um, I started cramping up. I saw something that you probably don't want to see in your life, and and my perspective of things throughout the run sort of changed. And yeah. what do you mean? You sorry? And what do you mean you saw something you don't want to see? Uh, I witnessed a um, an older gentleman have a heart attack and and not make it. Oh, uh, which was, shit. Yeah, pretty eye-opening and gut-wrenching at the same time. And In the marathon? Yeah, he was a bike rider. And, um, yeah, it wasn't great. His wife was there. And, oh, fuck. Yeah, so I had to go off to the next aid station to help. And he was bang in the middle of two aid stations, which were probably eight Ks apart, I oh, think. So So you had to go help? Yeah, yeah, so I was there. And, and um, there were two doctors already on site that must have either been in his little pack that he was running, uh, riding with or had just had got first on scene and I was just after that and so offered anything that I had in my pack and any help that I could do but then yeah I just had to take off and get to the next aid station so they could uh, just call a helicopter them, I suppose. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah holy shit how old was he do you reckon uh, he's about 65 I think so but he like yeah, yeah like you can I mean, always say oh you know it's a bit old but man there's still 80 year olds that are running around fit as you yeah. know and, I guess as an event, it's hard to manage as well. How do you how do you manage that? You just can't. So no. and so he knew it. It looked like he knew what he was doing. He had all the gear and stuff. So so and uh, and then you just had to keep running. Yeah, and I was running and <laughs> crying. You know, it was just emotional <laughs> <No>. after that. <laughs> absolutely, I'm not laughing. You know, I'm like yeah. absolutely, it's emotional. That would be ho- horrendous. Yeah, I was so angry that I didn't have my GoPro, and I saw this, and I was just like, man, you got to finish this race. If you finish it live, then you're lucky. You know. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, after about 22Ks, I was cramping, and I never cramp. So I guess obviously I've never run over 21Ks. <laughs> <laughs> that explains just, it. Yeah, yeah. I just hit the wall, and I was like, oh, I've got to finish this race. So I was taking all my salt tablets and gels and chews and water and everything. And uh, yeah, so I'd run about a K and then have to like drop on the ground and try and do the splits to stretch everything and keep running. And yeah, especially in a race like that, it was hot too, believe it or not. And yeah. Perfect. That's exactly what you want in a 40k <laughs> race. Just if we can just turn the heat up a little bit. That's of like hell, you know. Yeah. What sort of goals you got for your endurance? I'd love to do a 100k run. That's the big one this year. You're going to do it this year? Yeah, that's the goal. A <laughs> 100k run. Yeah. I heard on this uh, one of like the uh, one of Rogan yeah. Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast. Is that the, same the one. Uh, Daniel no, David Goggins? Yes, David, David Goggins. Goggins. Mate, That's exactly who it machine. is. Yes. Yeah. The guy that used to be fat and couldn't even run 400 meters, yeah. and now he's running like 250Ks and stuff. Like, yeah, ultra, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultra marathons. Ultra he, marathons. He, he wanted That's... to try and do this race, and he was, um, he said, someone said to him, mate, you've got to do this 24-hour race to qualify, and I want you to get over 100Ks in it. 
And um, this is what I believe. I can't really remember it, to be honest. But he was, he was running for about 17 hours, got to 70 Ks, and his body just shut down on him. He was sitting on the ground bleeding and, you know, doing everything. And uh, he got back up, and he, he ran the 100 Ks, and just past the 100 K mark, he got in like 22 hours, I think it was. Oh. And um, he said, told the guy, rang him up, and the guy said, well, mate, you didn't run for 24 hours. You might have got the 100 K, but you didn't last 24, so you're not invited. Oh. <laughs> He's and like, yeah, go he's and like work dying. Out. He's like literally dying. And, this, and his wife and at the time and his family like, mate, you need to go to hospital. And he just went home and sat in the bath and said, I just want to feel this pain. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's yeah. savage. The, yeah, the, yeah. the David Goggins podcast with Joe Rogan is sick. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's about two hours or something. Yeah, yeah. I really crazy. enjoyed it. Just about sort of what you what you can be achieved if you sort of apply your mind really apply yeah, see yeah, i didn't yeah, hear yeah. goggins when i heard one i think it was cam haynes i heard what about the ultra marathons yeah, yeah. so cam but, um, haynes is the ultra marathon yeah that's and it. that's also where they but that's probably what the the 24 hours running yeah. is or where they're trying but to this, run like 200 k's yeah, this david goggins is sort of like a motivational speaker as well like a yeah. really quite a, a a good speaker an energetic speaker i would yeah, say yeah right He's done like Hell Week to be a, a Navy yeah. SEAL, I think, like three times. Like, he's done all this <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. He's done stuff. all the three like special forces and all that kind of stuff. He's the only guy to do it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he had the he like the did he have the chin up the pull up record? Yeah, I pull think. ups, so, push like, ups. And this man used to be like a fat. He used dude to be. He used to be. He used to be. Yeah, like he, I think he used to be like 140 kilos, yeah. so something like that, and just and just was beaten down by life basically, but just kept like. Just applied himself, applied himself. Wow. Applied, and when he gave up and he just was, you know, a complete wreck, he'd just come back and just keep smashing it, keep yeah. smashing it. Is there an element of what were you doing that sort of shit where there's kind of a, like you're enjoying the pain you're putting your, your body through or like this, you're enjoying the struggle and the sort of the feeling of being completely fucked? Yeah, yeah. That's what sort of um, gets, keeps me going. People always ask me what motivates me and stuff and I don't really tell them, but um, yeah, being in like that dark place where everything is against you and just... You're only halfway there, you know. Yeah. Whether it's a run, a session, the gym, or whatever it is, when you're still, when you're absolutely cooked, and you're still only halfway through, that's awesome. Was there like a point when you're seeing the finish line of that fucking uh, <laughs> marathon where you're just like, oh my god? Yeah. Is that just a, the most wonderful feeling in the world? I saw it through the bushes. To be honest, I was about 150 <laughs> meters out, and I stopped for a minute and stretched because I didn't want to be that guy that gets over the line and just cramps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I stopped and stretched for a bit, and then I came through the line. And um, just sprint through yeah, like triumphantly. Like, oh, good, you know. Yeah, yeah, easy. But, um, yeah, I surprisingly pulled up really well after that. I, I thought I was going to get over the line and just cramp, but um, no, I was good. I tucked into a burger and chips and pizza and a beer, and I was good. Fuck oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And so I suppose uh, is this you call this just the new chapter in your life? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, we were talking about it off air, like, you know, life's a funny thing where you're sort of, you're living in one moment and one life and then all of a sudden you're, your ball's deep in another one. Yeah. Um, do you ever think about rugby at all or? Yeah, I guess um, I'm lucky enough I met my girlfriend after rugby, so she has no idea about rugby and what I sort of did through rugby, so that's that's good and we don't talk about <laughs> it, but um, like every now and then people are like, oh, would you go back and play footy? I'm probably the fittest I've ever been. Like, um, you know, even when I was playing rugby and stuff, but I felt I feel like rugby lasts until you're thirty, 
five, maybe. You know, George Smith's probably. Um, I don't know how old. George old he Smith is, and Brad Thorne are the only ones. Well, I yeah, think yeah. I think I think George is fifty. Is he? Yeah, he's fifty <laughs> something. Uh, lucky enough to play with him too. He was a legend. Oh, fuck you! Uh, <laughs> that's I, think I made my debut at Manly with him actually. Oh, oh Thousand beers after that. But, oh um, my god, that's good. Yeah, like I just think I got out at it. Well, that wasn't the happiest of endings, but it was a sort of um, got out at a time where I've got I've started a business and I've moved on post rugby and sort of set up myself. If I went back. I probably wouldn't be able to do exactly what I'm doing now, and then I'd come back at thirty, thirty-five, or whatever, and have to start again. Yeah, you've had you've had enough time to sort of yeah. to for, to almost start again. Yeah, you know, you were young enough where it, it wasn't going to be an impact on you. Yeah, and what I what I achieved, like personally, it's all f- for myself, I guess, and for my family. And, um, I'm pretty happy with with what I did and the experiences that I had. Obviously, shaped myself for my for life. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, next to no one gets to experience stuff like that. Yeah, looking back on it, I guess I'm pretty lucky. And sometimes you don't realize how lucky you were to have it at that time. And um, yeah, looking back on it now, it's awesome. And so, do you still love the game at all? Do you still do you still follow it, or you just not? yeah, I still heaps of my mates still play it and everything like that. But like I said before, I love watching a Kiwi game mm. at the moment. Fair yeah. cool. It's fair um, cool. Right, you know, in Australia. You so wouldn't but... you wouldn't sit down for an Aussie derby? Uh, <laughs> I'm keen for. Um, I'm keen to watch the Brumbies and Tars play. I think yeah. it's coming up soon. And then um, got a couple of mates playing league as well. So Who you got league? Mikey Oldfield? Yeah, Mikey. He's down in Canberra. Geordie, Geordie Rapana. So we played at the Force together. They let, I forget they let that Rapana played. As well. yeah, yeah, they let him go as I well. I can't believe they let the Rapana go. In the game He's or fucking something. awesome. Yeah. So, I forgot he played rugby union. Yeah. Uh, Matt, he's absolutely killing it. And he's a legend of a guy. So... Yeah, I'd love to go down when sort of the Brumbies are playing and the Raiders are playing the same weekend and knock Canberra over pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, do it in a weekend. Yeah, get it in and a weekend. We can avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Two birds with one stone with yeah. Canberra. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're done. Thank you very much for fucking doing this, man. Really Thank you very much. Me. No, it was very insightful. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah, that was awesome. It brings up some memories that I probably forgot about. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you very much, mate. Sweet. Cheers. Could you two just not talk anymore? Find your super savings at the sale of our century, like our gorgeous ruby and diamond bridal set, now yours for only $1,299. T's and C's apply. I shop, I shop on a spaceship.